when we use the word flourishing, what do we mean by that? What are we and actually talking about? Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers. So this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroat. And I'm Dave Mulder. For those of you new here, we're trying to create space where people can play around with a few ideas in the context of what it means to teach and lead Christianly. And one of our deep hopes is that you might be encouraged to go back to your classroom, your staff room, or your own hallway and engage in some conversations of your own. We also love it when you give us feedback, suggest ideas for shows, or even send in questions. So if you feel compelled to do so, please send those to hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. Today we're going to start a short series on the book Flourishing Together by Andy Wolf and Lynn Swanner. You definitely don't need to read the book in order to join us on this journey, but there is a link in the show notes for those of you who want to purchase it. So today, Dave and Abby, we're going to engage with part one of this book. And so maybe an easy way to start this is, what were a couple of notice and wonders or just your initial impressions on the book so far? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's interesting. So I, I think I said this to Abby earlier in the hallway when we met in the, in the hallway. hallway. Yeah. Um, that I, when I first got the book in hand, I just did like a half hour quick skim through. And I thought I knew what the book was going to be about. And then when I slowed down to really read section one in preparation for today's uh-huh. um, recording, um, the book is a little different than I expected it to be. And, and Can you I, talk, yeah, talk yeah. about that a little bit? I, I thought that it was going to be a little bit more directive, right? So the book is mm-hmm. Flourishing Together, A Christian Vision for Students, Educators, and Schools. And I thought, not like I expected it to be a how-to manual, mm. but a little bit more like, so here's how you can do that. And what I'm already finding as I, as I read more slowly and, and thoughtfully, they're setting up a framework and they're prompting us to ask questions, I feel like, yeah. about what's happening in schools and is this what we think is happening in Mm -hmm. in schools? Is this what we should expect to be happening in schools? Mm -hmm. And it's not that that's a bad thing. It's just, I had to kind of reset some of my expectations. And I think framework is a good way to put it. I, yeah. I appreciated like the the preface about what flourishing is and then also like the five areas of flourishing. Yep. And then in each of those five sections that we're gonna go through one at a time, right? On the podcast, mm-hmm. there's kind of three chapters, right? That each one tackles a different element of that right. frame. So I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like the, the orderly layout and, and how it works together. I found that helpful, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I, I, I found myself writing a lot of notes as well and thinking, yeah, that's a good good point, good good thinking, good yeah. re-examination, right, mm-hmm. of what flourishing, why are we here? Right. Uh, what are we doing? And I already felt, too, like there are some things in this first section that we read that I'm like, oh, that's going to show up in class. Uh, mm-hmm. with the future mm-hmm. teachers that I'm working with, right. as it, it kind of caught me, oh, that's an interesting way of packaging this that I hadn't quite together before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave, it's helpful your description of of what you thought the book was going to be and what you thought the book is. Yeah. Um, because I found myself feeling that tension to it and actually not being able to name it until you until you just said that. I, I really appreciate the concept of flourishing as we, as we all do. And yeah. and I think in today's day and age, whether COVID but even pre-COVID, I'm a real 
concern, something I guess heavy on my heart to use a cliche, thinking about young people and what flourishing looks like, and people our age, but especially young people, like what does it mean to flourish in today's culture? And when I was reading the opening of this book, it reminded me of um, the impact, whether in public schools or Christian schools, um, that teachers, that institutions can have on young um, young person's ability to flourish, for better and for worse, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the first thing I thought about, is I just thank you to Andy and Lynn for, for taking on this topic, yeah. um, because I do think it's something we do need to keep in front of us, to constantly be asking um, this about ourselves and about our students. I'm um, in a sense, like, how are we doing? Mm-hmm. And it's an um, interesting conversation to have when so many teachers, I feel like, are not flourishing, yeah, especially right. so yeah. many schools, so many in the wake of COVID. Yeah. That seems all the news yeah. we hear is yeah. that everyone's leaving. And just yeah. how hard this work yeah. is. Yes. So how do we flourish in yeah. the yes. face of it? Yeah, in, in fact, Abby, it's, it, that you said that, because one of the things I wrote in my <laughs> books, in, the, in my book when I was reading this, and I love this book. Like I could see this being actually a textbook in my philosophy of education sure. class. So yeah. I really, so I appreciate that. But there was a part of me as I was reading is a wonder is, will this be hard for teachers to read right now? Mm-hmm. To talk about mm-hmm. the, the flourishing of the community, mm-hmm. the flourishing of our students, right. when I can hardly feel like I'm flourishing myself. And I know the book's... There is so much encouragement in Absolutely. reading this. Absolutely. But I remember at one point thinking, is, is this too much? Like, I'm barely hanging on. Mm-hmm. Now you're asking me to do this. Or I'm doing all this already and maybe now feeling like it might not be good enough. Sure. Actually. Mm-hmm. So that there is a tension for me mm-hmm. in, in that. Um, yeah, sorry, Dave. No, that's all right. I was just going to say, it, it, we're talking around flourishing and flourishing, mm-hmm. and I, I appreciate the way that they introduced the book. And right at the beginning mm-hmm. of the introduction, just raising that point, like how many uh, teachers would say, like, well, I know it's flourishing when I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's hard maybe for us to pin that down. Right. And so that, that's one of the things I think this book is really striving to do, to help us yeah. have maybe some shared language. about When we say flourishing, like, what are we actually talking about? Yeah. And, we, and, and it was also about? interesting to think about how flourishing looks different. Right. For different people yeah. and in different contexts. Right. Uh, and it can have a thousand variations, right? It's not a singular thing. Yeah. No. Uh, and even as you say that, there was a bit in, in that introduction section where they were talking about how flourishing is really a mutual thing. Mm-hmm. Like we often think about uh, it as an individual yeah. thing, like yeah. an I flourishing. Yeah. But it should be more of a we mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. I thought that was so helpful. Yeah. That that uh, kind of in a first Corinthians twelve metaphor, the body of Christ. Right. Like if the whole if one part suffers, the whole part right. suffers. If one right. part is honored, the whole body's honored. And and kind of that sense of like if everyone's not flourishing, is anyone really flourishing? Like we mm-hmm. should we should ask that question. Yep. I, I had written down flourish versus competition. Yeah. Right, because I think so many of our even Christian schools are still stuck mm-hmm. in the in the paradigm of competition, yeah. right? Of who got the most and who did the best and yeah. who's on the honor roll and who mm-hmm. um, versus how are we, you know, how are we all doing and how are we right. co? Yeah, and and even as you say that, Abby, like do do we want the best for other Christian schools who traditionally we might see as to be in competition, competition. with, yeah. and I don't even just mean about 
trophies or awards or athletic programs do we want do we want other institutions to flourish yeah because that's in the end what's best for the students and faculty right. and mm -hmm. faculty there instead of a, an us versus us versus them um you know i think about that locally or even just in my context back in british columbia right or because we have to have a sense that we are responsible for each other's success to yes. speak highly of each mm -hmm. other um, because in the end that's what's best for the kingdom and quite often i know when i was a principal i can often i would often think about um how are we compared to them i can remember for a few years meeting with new parents um defining our mission and vision not by the words in our mission statement by but rather about well let me tell you how we're different from this school down right. down the road and and I like this idea where they talk about early on about the, the vision and who owns the vision, right? I think they talk about flourishing school means the vision is shared across the com community mm -hmm. and this idea of why we exist. And I would say for a while, when I wasn't flourishing myself, um, that I would say, yeah, like I often talked about the existence for our school as being, well, we're not like that. Mm -hmm. That's why, well, that's not a that's not going to capture anyone's imagination. I really appreciated Andy and Lynn's focus um, on the mission and vision and, and the why we matter. Um, and then I think their reminder for us is that only makes sense. Um, that vision, we are only keeping our promise if that mission and vision then is, is influence our decision making in the boardroom, right. our budgeting, our schedules. Right, it's so interesting to me. Like at school schedules, and do they actually affirm the mission and vision yeah. of the yeah. school? How about you, Abby? Anything else that stood out for you in the book, or that that resonated, yeah. or that you wrestled with? Um. So there, the first section of the book after the introduction about what what is flourishing and what right, what is yeah. this idea of flourishing? Is the the whole first part is about purpose. Right. Right. So, so why? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I, I thought I really appreciated their um, focus on practices about reimagining, right? Everything under that purpose. What are we, what are we doing here? And yeah. are we flourishing? And so are they still serving us? So there are a lot of practices, I think, in schools that mm -hmm. are done because they're that's what we do. This is how we've done it. Right. Yeah. And so I appreciate the idea of reimagining things, um, especially yeah. practices that may be old. Are they still serving us? Right. I think they used the verse, um, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Right. Mm -hmm. So are these practices serving us well mm -hmm. or have we become slaves to yeah. bells, for example? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? a great practical example. It's a great practical yeah. example, yeah. right? Is this schedule and all of these kids moving from room to yeah. room every 40 minutes yeah. still serve? Is it doing what we think it's doing? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. right? Um, and what is it? Yeah. What is it actually right. doing? What is it communicating to them? Yeah. Not just about learning, but even about who they are. Mm -hmm. Right. Like mm -hmm. your whole life is dictated by bells that tell you when to get up and move to the next thing. Yeah. And so I think it was a good reminder that actually these things are not set in stone mm -hmm. and we should yeah. be rethinking and reimagining yeah. 
things that we take for granted in education mm -hmm. as set and static yes. as open to revision. And, and not that you need to throw out everything that we've no, done for the sake of innovation not. or anything no, like that. No, don't but change this to change, but yeah, again... to raise the question. Yes. And, and to hold things up and say, yeah, if, if we're serious about the flourishing of all of mm -hmm. the people and, and who are connected to the school, then we should ask that question, right? Like, mm -hmm. what, what does flourishing look like? Are these practices actually leading to? Yes. Well, and do the, do the audio and the video align in that? Mm -hmm. Like, is, are the things we say we're on about, like I said, is there is there actually evidence to support that? And I like this question that they asked, right? Because in the end, they say, to what end are we actually educating our children? Yes, yes. And, and I, I can go, I wrestle with this, guys, at times because... On the one hand, I can I can wax eloquently about about Christian education and the type of and the type of education I want my children to be involved with. Yeah. So on the one hand, I can I can talk wonderfully and beautifully ab about what I hope for them, and yet I have to ask myself at times, is what I really want upward mobility? Yeah. Like like I in my mind I want peculiarity. Yeah. But at the sake of getting a good, a, going to a good university to get a good job to make the money they need, like can you and, can you say more about peculiarity? Would you, yeah, like language? like I think if I think about um, Christian education, um, sometimes what I imagine is is we're um, helping students engage the world in the servant way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like we're helping them, um, we're not just filling their minds, you know, like. Um, yeah, just filling their minds with information, like I said, to get the right score right. to get in. But we're actually helping them walk in the world in a, in a different way. Um, and not just because they know they have to walk in the world in a different way, but because we give them practice doing that, engaging their neighbors, actually coming to a deeper understanding of who their neighbor is, because they've actually rubbed shoulders with their neighbors mm -hmm. um, and doing that through the curriculum so that they, yeah, that they have a deeper understanding of what their purpose is in the world. And yet, do, how much do I, how much peculiarity do I want? Or do I want just enough? Yeah. So that, yeah, it's, yeah, it feels good. Um, but do I still want to make sure they get into into the right universe? And I'm not saying those have to be mutually exclusive. No, but but which one is driving? But to what end, right? So to what end are we educating our children? And to what end do I actually want a Christian education for yeah. my children? What like yeah? This, this is one of the this is one of the bits that caught me when you when you asked that question yeah. like something and, and I've been grappling with this one since then. So in in uh, early one of these first chapters, I think it's been chapter two, um, the heading in the section was, what does love require? Mm. And, and uh, Lynn and Andy used the example of Halton Hills Christian School near Toronto, Ontario. And for a whole year, all the educators and the students in that school yeah. kept coming back to that key question, what does love require? Yeah. And this why I asked you, what you say more about peculiar, because I think yeah. that is a peculiar yeah. way of being as a school, mm. to say, like, every decision that we're going to make, well, what does love require? Yeah. And like that is a radical shift in your pedagogy, in the, the yeah. content that you're teaching, in your way of being together um, when you're going to keep grappling with that. And uh, they noted in, in the book like that, they, continuing to ask that question for a whole year, that yeah. that became their driving question. Then there's different kind of engagement, different kind of empathy that starts yeah. to show up, yeah. different kinds of caring for each other that yeah. shows up, different kinds of creativity that yeah. starts coming out of that question. I think that that is a compelling vision for me to think about 
I would love my kids to be formed in that kind of an environment um, because I think they are going to be peculiar people. And it's not at the cost of their education. It's not at the cost of upward mobility, right? But it's going to change something about how they are. Yeah. Um, them individually, but them as, as a community too. It's going to do something to them. It's going to have to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, and the, and that's the part I wrestle with at times. Right. Is how if we know education is form education is formation. Yeah. To what end do I want my students, or my own children, being formed in a in a radical different story? How radical? Like yeah. and that, I, right. I, 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 I struggle with that, right? And, and then when we see our we see our students or our children living peculiar lives and being radical, like that makes me a little uncomfortable. Totally, totally. We're like, well, then when we when when we're when we get what we're hoping for, so to speak, how do we feel about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's I think I think that's some some of the tension at times mm-hmm. actually. You, you use that phrase uh, about abundance uh, somewhere in there, and I had to flip to that page because I had a flag on that. That that bit really caught me too. Mm-hmm. Like flourishing yeah. as a sense of abundance. I think we often think of education as kind of a zero sum game, right? right? Yeah. That that if it, well, if my kids aren't getting theirs, then you know somebody else is getting oh, like that. Yeah. And instead, to, to have an abundance mindset, yeah. not a zero sum mindset, to say like if my kid is flourishing, well, it's because everyone is flourishing, right? Mm-hmm. And again, the kind of that kind of more communal sense yeah. of, of things i think that's really important to keep uh-huh. that in mind yeah it's a collective it's not uh-huh. it's not about just these yeah. individuals and, and what a shift from worrying about yourself only right in classrooms yeah. even yeah. right i remember yeah. being challenged by by that concept from other books as well right so yeah. are we a learning community where we all care about each other's growth even in the subject matter right yeah. versus a very individualistic you know, what are we, are we peculiar from the world in the way that we engage in learning that we're all responsible for each other's Mm -hmm. flourishing or are we each in it for ourselves and I'm thinking about what you will. And I'm just even thinking about also like, and are, are, do we care enough about just the the flourishing of the greater institution? Um, you know, I can remember speaking to I can remember speaking to a school leader I'd been part of the same school for for between 30 and 40 years and him remembering when he first started teaching there the busiest night of the school year was the annual general meeting like everybody came it was the state oh, yeah. of the union like a sense of like how are we doing how are we doing not just financially but how are we doing in upholding the mission and the vision and this was a chance to hear about about what was happening in the school and him saying over time they could hardly get quorum at the annual general meeting but the busiest night of the year now was registration night Mm -hmm. for your child Mm -hmm. and so just that shift of and and i don't that's not wrong that that that's a busy night you know the registration night but it was just more him observe noticing and wondering Mm -hmm. you know why why do people care less about how the institution is doing as a whole and the shift more on how do I make sure my kids take the right courses to get into the right and again which isn't a wrong thing interestingly Uh we shifted at my old high school that society meeting to registration registration night oh wow and and paired them yeah now there's see now there's cultivating imagination and I knew that right right so how are those two things tied together yeah yeah, totally. 
No, that's a, that's a that's tonight. People are going to be in the building. Right. Yeah, right? Yeah. Let's, let's and I think it was that. done yeah. because they, again, couldn't get yeah. people to show up. Yeah. Interesting. But it wasn't, now that you say that, right, it's an interesting <laughs> way to even shape everyone's thinking around. Yeah. We're also in this all together, yeah. right? Yeah. In addition to our, yeah. our own small interests. It, it helps you see the bigger story. Yeah. Instead of just me and my kid, my right. family, me, 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 right? And then right. Again, it comes back to the sense of we. And I know I feel like I'm just banging that drum, but that, yeah. that was the one, like anything mm-hmm. in this first section that caught me, it's that how individualistic I, I, I put the right. finger myself yeah. am when it comes yeah. to education. And, and our institutions that should not be so. Correct. Still are. That's right. Yeah. 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 How that cultural norm has yeah. infiltrated our Christian institutions. Yeah. 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 And to name that and to, mm-hmm. be, and to be honest about that. Guys, I just want to, I also want to give space here in, in an appropriate way. Was there anything as you were reading that was hard for you or that yeah. didn't resonate or that, you know, like I sometimes think about, hey, the the three A's of protocol, like, hey, I want to aspire to this. Mm-hmm. I agree with this. I want to argue with this. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you found yourself, whether arguing or sort of like feeling unsettled, does anything mm-hmm. come to mind? Mm-hmm. I would say I, I love the idea of PD professional development as as reimagining, right? I think it's important to give space and even for for me myself to go to visit High Tech High in San Diego, right, a couple of weeks ago. It was good for me to have a vision cast of what's possible and what's different and how could I take some of that and inject it into my space, right? And I get into a lot of different schools to see student teachers, right, right, as part of our work, and I think that's healthy and that's good. I also know how busy K-12 educators are yeah. with day-to-day work, yeah. right? And so I struggled a little bit with what's the, yes, that's important. Professional development is vision casting and mm-hmm. as reimagining practices, but what's the balance with that? And hey, take an hour to meet with your grade level team and yeah. plan, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, especially in a time where educators are stretched so thin. Yeah. Um, how does that actually contribute to their flourishing as yeah. well, right? Yeah. And and maybe I don't think they were trying to say that every professional development day should be right. reimagining, but I think that reading this book, someone planning professional development should be careful not to take up yeah. all of the precious time that teachers have yeah. with this big high level work without attending to the day-to-day that still needs to happen. I'll just build onto that because that was one of the things I was wondering too. Uh, Yes, you have to have good onboarding for all the people coming into it and that's true for faculty members, that's true for staff, that's true for students, new families. There's got to be a good onboarding process so that Mm. everyone knows like this is what we're about, this is the vision for what we're trying to achieve. And then professional development should be rooted in that the students yes. work should be rooted in in that all of it should be rooted in that but i wondered about that too like are you just going to keep banging that same drum every time you get together is that like this high level work um, all the time or is that just taken to be the foundation yeah. and again it doesn't mean that that high level work is not important correct it absolutely is yes yes but i think there needs to be a balance yep mm-hmm. yeah it was interesting as um you know i've shared with you before i so i'm coming out of a K to 12 context uh, just over 18 months ago. Uh, and I've shared with you at different times, like even um, being on Twitter, which is really great pro D for me. Um, I find myself at times being leery or being aware of, of what I tweet in 
being worried that somebody might look at that and say, oh, easy for you to say you're not in K-12 anymore. Oh, yeah. Because there's, there's <laughs> there is, when I visit K-12 schools now, it's like, wow, like this, this is real life right here. Like yeah. it is, it is, the pace is frenetic. Yeah. And that was part of my life for, for 26, 27 years. Um, and the pace here is different. It is. And so I'm always leery about saying you, you should, you should, you should, when I'm not actually living it out. So I found myself thinking that, to be honest, a few times as I was reading of this, mm. that there was part of me that was, I wonder how this is being received by people in K to 12 trenches. Who are doing um, this day to day. Who are doing this day to day with a book that's written not necessarily by people who are in the K to 12 oh, yeah. tre trenches. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's, and I, if Lynn and Andy maybe never hear this, I, I know their heart is for teachers and education. Definitely. I just found myself feeling that at times, feeling like, I wonder how, I wonder what this reads like. It was helpful for me looking at this as like a packaging of things that I've thought about before, but right. in a way I, I hadn't put it together. Yeah, yeah like yeah. a synthesis. Yeah, and mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, this all does kind yeah. of hang together mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. But like, I agree with what you were saying there, right? Like, is yeah. this inside baseball to some degree then yeah. that yeah. we're, are we talking to a particular group of people who are already yeah. are thinking this way? Yeah. It's worth asking that question, I think. No. But it is a good packaging. Yes, I, I oh, agree for sure. Yeah. yeah, and like a framework to, like I said, I like the orderly yeah. framework no. of it too. No, and if you, like I said, I, yeah. I'm just looking at my book right now, there's words like yes with exclamation. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, or I need to talk about this in my philosophy of education class, and, yeah. and there is a lot of that. So like I said, I say that in the context of someone who, um, appreciates this book, could see this as a textbook for undergraduate or graduate students. Yeah, yeah. but it's something um, you need to be aware of too. But I need to be aware, and, and I think that's why I noticed with, it, Abby. With the students that you will serve who yeah. maybe are not. Yeah, and, I, and I can make that, I can even get there as a professor because we have a we have a significant number of students who went to public K-12 right. schools who are now at a Christian post-secondary institution. Yeah. And it can be even just words like what, Hey, when you use the word reformed, what do you mean by that word? Yeah. Or when you use the word worldview, what does what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And as you said earlier, even when we use the word flourishing, what do we mean by that? What are we and I think talking about? I think operational definitions are actually really, really important when we have conversations like this. Uh -huh. Friends, we know your time is valuable and want to thank you for joining us today for another hallway conversation. And whether it is this day, this week, or this month, we hope the Lord gives you what you stand in need of. And as you go into this day, we want to send you with this blessing. So to our listeners, God go before you to lead you. God go behind you to protect you. God go beneath you to support you. God go beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid. May the blessing of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you. Do not be afraid. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual hallway conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Derailed. Do not edit as you read. Oh, sorry. No, no. It's me, isn't it? Whenever you're ready. Okay.